It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Keaton Slovis, Jake Retzloff, and the rest of the BYU quarterbacks dominated a lot of the storylines during spring camp for the BYU football program. How did I evaluate how they did? Well, let's have my opinion, but let's also get an opinion from QB1 himself. An exclusive one-on-one conversation with Keaton Slovis is ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for checking us out, no matter if it's your first time listening to us or as our new initiative is calling you all y'all who check us out on the daily basis and every day right here on Locked On Cougars. The hope is that all of you eventually will become everydayers and check out this podcast, whether you're watching it in its video format on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. You guys know the drill on that front. Thank you for being a part of the only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. All right, as I mentioned in the open, we're going to talk quarterbacks today for BYU. Yesterday, we talked a lot of left tackle. Obviously, we had a conversation with Kingsley Suomatia. Also talked about the new uh, transfer portal edition and Caleb Etienne. Well, today on the quarterback front, we're going to talk and kick off, I guess, a little bit of a series here on the podcast where we kind of evaluate where I thought things stood for BYU going into spring ball versus what I am thinking now at the conclusion of BYU Spring Camp. And we'll start off with the quarterbacks today. We'll get to that conversation, uh, I promised, with Keenan Slovis here momentarily. But first thing on the quarterback situation for BYU was coming into spring ball, there was so much intrigue around this position group simply due to the fact that Keenan Slovis had been a graduate transfer into the program and essentially had been tabbed from the minute he signed with BYU as QB1. Could he ultimately live up to the billing? Could he prove that he is a guy who is capable of leading BYU into the Big 12 era? Is he capable of regaining the form that he showed in the early stages of his USC career? I think coming out of spring ball, he's answered most of those questions. I truly believe he is firmly QB1. Aaron Roderick said as much in his uh, post-spring uh, pr- practice comments to the media last Friday. He said, I want to make it very clear that Keaton Slovis is our number one quarterback, and as he should be. Uh, Slovis was far and away the most consistent quarterback, and in many respects, the best ability is availability. We've talked about many that many times here on this podcast. It's simply just being there is a big deal. The other two guys who were thought to be contenders potentially for the job are obviously junior college transfer Jake Ratzloff, who in a similar circumstance to Keaton Slovis, the question around him was, okay, could he come in and firmly entrench himself as at least the backup, if not challenge, for the number one job? Well, he was hampered due to some early issues, uh, complications from a tonsillectomy. I actually ended up having to undergo three different procedures uh, due to complications from the original uh, procedure there with the tonsillectomy and missed essentially half of spring ball. Came on very strong down the stretch. And in my opinion, I think he has established himself as the number two guy. And then Cade Fennigan, who Aaron Roderick said is neck and neck with Jake Retzloff for that number two spot, uh, had his moments early on in camp. But to me, 
faded as camp went along, if that makes sense. I felt like out of the gate, both uh, Keaton Slovis and Cade Fennigan, just almost due to default for Fennigan with regards to Retzloff being unavailable, they kind of came out of the gates firing, and Slovis maintained the level that he played at more or less throughout all 15 practices based on what I had heard and also what I saw with my own eyes during media observation, whereas, as I mentioned, once uh, Retzloff was cleared, it felt like he came on strong down the stretch, while Fennigan, it just did, it didn't hold up to as good as I thought he was early on in spring camp. So I think you have a very clear top three at quarterback. It goes, in my mind, it's Keaton Slovis, one, Jake Retzloff, number two, and then Cade Fennigan, number three. And then after that, I think it's a jumbled mess in many respects. I think that Ryder Burton came in with a lot of aplomb uh, as part of BYU's recruiting class alongside Keaton Slovis and Jake Retzloff. He was the uh, high school uh, signee for BYU this past year and I think Ryder Burton has got a bright future the problem is he's similar and I've said this about Retzloff as well both of them feel like they're just a little bit too skinny right now they need to hit the weight room a little bit more to get themselves into better shape and once they do that they probably are going to be guys that BYU is going to have a factor into QB races next year the year after that and on into the future I really like the early returns on Ryder Burton I, I, I will freely admit going into spring ball I was really down on this young man he had uh, I'd say in uh, what? How do I say this nicely? It was not a great senior season for him in high school. Now I will also acknowledge that the offense he was running in high school at Springville is a dinosaur type offense in this day and age of football. A lot of I formation under center, run, run, run for 70 percent of the time, and then run a play action for Ryder Burton. It just did not fit his skill set. But BYU brought him in, and I thought he showed some flashes of what his true capability is uh, during spring ball. The other quarterbacks on the roster, I just feel like are are kind of filling space here, including Nick Billups, who was the scout team quarterback last year. Cole Hagan, the guy coming home off of a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Highly thought of player coming out of Corner Canyon High School, but he's a walk-on with the program. Uh, He got his opportunity to show things here and there, but they feel like they're just kind of picking up the scraps along the way here. So could I see a guy maybe potentially deciding to leave the program in the transfer portal during this two-week period? Potentially, but that'll also, also... all de- depend on how they feel about where they stand with the program after their exit interviews with Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake and see where things stand. But I think overall, based on what I thought going into spring, like I said, I, I wondered how good Keaton Slovis truly could be. Could he really live up to some of the hype uh, that we out there had put on this kid? Because I think many of us are hoping that he can get back to the level he showed during his time at USC when he was considered to be a dark horse Heisman contender. And the hope was that the pit... Uh, uh, I guess, what do you call it? The, the, the situation he found himself with Pittsburgh uh, was more of an anomaly or an aberration versus his actual future for BYU. And I think that, I think, I guess personally speaking, that he has really shown that he can get back to doing more of what he was doing at USC. And you're going to hear him, he, you're going to hear him here in a minute. I had to get, that was a little bit of a tongue twister. But you're going to hear him explain exactly uh, what, where he thinks he stands and what he hopes to accomplish uh, with BYU in an exclusive conversation right here on Locked On Cougars in just a few moments. Just one other a quick note on this. I really do think Jake Retzloff, just based on the, the half of the practices he participated in, he's got a bright future. He has got a a great arm. He's got an ability to really just sling it all over the football field. I had a conversation with one of BYU's players. I believe it was, I don't remember who it was actually, but it was towards the tail end of spring ball and we were just going back and forth and I was asking them about the different quarterbacks on the roster and they were very high on Keaton Slovis but the comment they made about uh, Jake Retzloff, he said, oh you mean Mini Patty Mahomes. That's what Mini Patrick Mahomes. That was the nickname that this guy threw out there for him and I'm not saying it's a perfect comparison but he has some of those, um, 
how do you say it, those gambler or playmaking uh, traits to his game. He's got a really live arm, uh, and I really think that Retzloff, after this year when Keaton Slovis figures to be the guy in BYU's first year in the Big 12 era, if you were asking me for futures bets right now, if you're like, Jake, who would you put your money on on being the starting quarterback in year two of the Big 12 era? My money's on Jake Retzloff. I think he is the guy that BYU is kind of tabbed as their era parent at the quarterback position. But I guess if you want my overall assessment of the quarterback position coming out of spring ball, I'd say stock is up. Honestly, I truly believe that. I thought about saying my stock is neutral on that, but just kind of thinking through it as I was preparing for the show, I said, well, I came out more impressed with, uh, with Slovis. I was impressed with Retzloff. Fennigan is what he is. I really liked Ryder Burton, so I guess three of the top four quarterbacks impressed me. That means stock absolutely should be up. So I, I guess if you're a stock uh, aficionado, buy stock in BYU's quarterbacks right now coming out of spring ball, but uh, only time will tell. The, the big test, obviously, will be coming up on September 2nd when BYU takes the field there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium against Sam Houston State, and we all finally get to see a real game, real game environment for a guy like Keaton Slovis and show what he's capable, truly capable of uh, for do, of doing for the BYU football program. But I, for one, I can't wait to see it all play out. And obviously, we're all going to be able to sit back and watch it here in just four or five months' time. All right, coming up here in just a moment, as promised, Keaton Slovis, in his own words, what he thought spring ball did for him personally, what he thought he accomplished, and what he hopes to do this summer on into training camp as he gets ready for his one and only season at the helm of the BYU offense. We'll get to that conversation here in a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel, of course, Grand Slams. No hit and double plays are back. That means baseball, my friends. Major League Baseball is the best place uh, to have some fun with this and do it with our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back right now. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. Think about that. You can bet on individual players, game by game, season-long trends. You have an over-under on the win total you're looking at for your favorite team. All of that. You can bet on anything you're looking for with regards to Major League Baseball by doing it with our friends at FanDuel. So do not miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now. Once again, it's FanDuel.com slash locked on to check it out. That's FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of this venture. Uh, for all you everydayers, and I hope you guys will come back tomorrow if you're not an everydayer, we're going to have a great uh, mailbag edition of the podcast. I already actually have a number of great questions in the can we're going to address on tomorrow's show. But if you do have questions, we do a weekly feature here on the podcast. We call it our Thursday mailbag. If you've got questions about BYU basketball, the transfer portal, the BYU football program coming out of spring, whatever you got, even if they're not BYU related. If you just want to have a fun question, you want to lob at me and have me address on air, I'd love nothing more than to field it. Uh, please send those in to via, via social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars and drop us a note there. Uh, you can send them in uh, via email, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Uh, DMs on Twitter for my personal Twitter feed. You can see that on YouTube here. Jacob C. Hatch is the handle. Drop me a note there. 
always appreciate you guys' interaction. And by the way, a number of you have reached out with our Everyday Air Initiative. Some of you guys are listening literally around the world. I've got guys listening in Hong Kong, Germany. Uh, I've got my good friend Glenn out there in the Philippines. What up, Glenn? He's been on this podcast before. Lives on that sailboat out there. There's some great folks, uh, literally worldwide Cougar fans. The, the reach of Cougar Nation is literally global. I mean that sincerely, and thank you for your support. All right, as mentioned, let's time. Uh, as mentioned, it is time to let you guys hear from Keaton Slovis. Had a great conversation with him this past Friday. Uh, BYU after spring ball wrapped up, they allowed us as the media core to have what they kind of did with their media days. We're able to kind of mill around and talk to players in one on one or uh, one or two three group uh, sessions and get some of their thoughts coming out of spring ball. Obviously preparing for for the summer, etc. And I had a great one on one conversation with Keaton Slovis. I, I really really like this young man as a person. We had a great chat, and he's just a very personable uh, guy. And that's the thing about this. I think BYU fans are going to be very impressed which is with how he approaches things. He is a very approachable. If you ever see him out there, he uh, in my limited interactions with him, I have come away very, very impressed. But even more so than that, actually on the record, speaking about what he hopes to accomplish in a BYU uniform, well, let's get to that conversation right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Keaton, a lot of people, obviously, when you're QB1, like the they said you're the starting quarterback. Aaron said it on the record, Coach Roderick. With that responsibility, you've been in that position at two different programs. Is it any different here at BYU? Um, yes and no. Um, like you always have that kind of personal responsibility to, to kind of hold the standard high. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, like there's there's a certain level of, of uh, I guess expectation that comes with the role, um, mm-hmm. as did the other programs, but. Um, like I, per- I know a lot of those guys personally now. Like I know a guy like John Beck. I know Zach. I know Jaron. <laughs> Steve Young doesn't know me, but I know him. Yeah. Um, I met Detmer. Like I know all these guys. Um, I'm probably missing a few too. But like the point is, like it's a big uh, storied group of quarterbacks, and like to be part of it, um, you know, you kind of want to uphold the standard. How attractive was that when you were going through the process of deciding where you were going to play? Was it was that part of the nice conversation? Yeah, like you could look at it historically, but also I think um, just seeing what Arod's done in the past with the past two quarterbacks has been super exciting for me. Um, and that was a big sales pitch. It was like, hey, yeah. the last two guys are one's in the NFL, one's about to go to the NFL, and like you're you'd be the next guy in the in, the, in with the possibility to do that. So um, to me, it's a great opportunity, um, and yeah, it's super exciting. You have never not played at the Power Five level. You have you're like literally the only guy on this roster who has that distinction because everybody else has played whether independent or like I guess in Eddie Heckard's case, he's been FCS level. Right. Do you feel like that is an advantage for you because you've never known anything different? Yeah, somewhat. Um, someone was asked me earlier, like, what's the difference? I was like, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but it's, again, I like to think of it being like somewhat the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like anything new for me and. I feel like I can definitely help the rest of the team kind of prepare. But at the same time, I think those most of the guys on the team do it the right way anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was an independent schedule, it wasn't like we were playing a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah. Like We were playing some, some Power 5 teams and some good um, Group 5 teams as well. So, um, again, like I think our team's prepared. But obviously, the, I'll take any, any experience I can get, any chance I can. Now, you've played in the Pac-12. you played in the ACC. Now you're going to play in the Big 12. What's the most exciting part about that for you? Um, it's exciting. I think, like, looking at the Big 12, like, the last year at least, like, mm-hmm. I feel like any given Saturday anyone can win, and I think that's that's exciting. Uh, it also makes you prepare really hard, and um, 
you know, you look at like TCU, like they almost lost to West Virginia last year, mm -hmm. two completely different seasons, but like any game's a ball game. And whenever you have a chance, any, any single game, whether you're doing great or not having the season you want, that's always exciting and it kind of gives you motivation. And uh, especially our team, I think we have a great chance to run the table and have a great season. Um, but also I feel like, you know, we can play against every team and we can, we have a chance to win every single game. And uh, that in itself says a lot. You may have partially answered my next question, but I was going to ask you, what, how would you assess the readiness of this team to make the jump to the Big 12? Yeah, I think um, we will be ready. There's still a lot of preparation and stuff we have to do. Um, still some pieces I think we'll add in the transfer portal and such, but um, I know these guys will be ready. I know the coaching staff's had the experience of that level of, of play. Um, they'll get us ready. The strength staff will get us ready. Uh, like, there's no doubt in my mind we'll be ready, but like, the hay's not in the barn yet. Like, we still have a lot of work to do. Still fall camp. We still have all summer, and a lot of development happens in that, that time period. Now, obviously, the Big 12, everybody's excited for it. By the time you take the field again, it'll officially be official. You will be officially a member of the Big 12. What has been your, I guess, perception of the Big 12 as a player, it, just overall having watched games and, and the like? Yeah. Um, it's just some really good teams. I think, like, you obviously have, like, the Blue Buds, the teams people talk about, but yeah. then, below, like, the next, the next, like, the next biggest programs – probably have had more success than them almost, you know, and I think that's something that's, um, you know, exciting is, again, like any given Saturday, but also all those teams and all those programs any given year can just break out, like TCU last year, Baylor in years past, like those teams, although they might not be like the blue bloods of college football, to me, they're always pretty, pretty dang good, um, and there's a lot more, I'm just not spacing them, but like, to me, all those programs have had really good runs at certain points, and um, again, it's exciting to kind of be a part of that schedule. You've played a lot of football in your career, USC, Pitt, now BYU. What's left for Keaton Slovis to accomplish? Um, just put together a year on my own terms. And um, it was funny, I was talking to John, and he kind of said this for me, but he's like, you, you're, the big reason you're doing this is for you. And I think that's so true. Like I was saying earlier, too, like, I never got to play for a coordinator I like committed to. This is the first time. Coach Roderick's the first coordinator I committed to and will be able to play for this fall. Um, I get like, a lot of control over the situation I'm in. Uh, Team-wise, personnel-wise, um, in terms of just deciding this is the team I get to play for this year. So, um, I think for me, like that's that's exciting for me. Just the opportunity to play the game I love, you know, on the team I, I wanted to play for, and now that I love too. What will you be working on the most this summer? Um, just building continuity receivers. Um, just get dialed in, and obviously, John. There's like some mechanical stuff, off-platform throws, the fun throws, and you know, all the offensive stuff, some of the protections and movements I haven't done a ton of. You can always get better at that, but um, to me, it's just a little bit of everything, and, uh, you know, we'll be ready for the fall. There you go, Keaton Slovis. A big thank you to him for taking the time, and I, like I said, I'm very impressed with this kid. He is humble. He knows what he's capable of doing as a football player. Uh, he's talked about the fact that this is the first time, you heard him mention it, this is the first time in his playing career that he will actually be playing for the offensive coordinator he committed to play for when he went to USC coordinator got changed out when he went to pit coordinator got changed out and he was forced to kind of adapt his style to fit into the offense that was not the offense he necessarily committed to play in this like he said is the first time he will ever get that opportunity to do so and Aaron Roderick I, I can tell you this much just based on the conversations we've had with Aaron during spring ball he's been very impressed with Slovis he's talked about the fact that Slovis has really embraced all of what BYU is all about both the culture and the football program around the university itself he is absolutely 
been everything BYU hoped he could be, it sounds like, uh, from the time they started recruiting him. And hopefully that translates to, translates to success on the football field, but only time will tell on that front. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll round out today's show with a number of other notes. We've got some transfer portal notes, guys leaving, guys coming in potentially via the transfer portal. Also, uh, another a quick note as well on the season ticket uh, season ticket situation for BYU. Tom Homo speaking out on that. We'll get to all of that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. Uh, all right, time now to wrap wrap up today's show with some of the other notes out there in BYU sports. Let's start with one that I reported yesterday. If you're following me on Twitter, I reported this via two different sources. Uh, BYU men's basketball has a, a transfer that came in on a visit, a transfer portal uh, visit just yesterday. Seamus Lukosius, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He is a former Butler guard, entered the transfer portal earlier this month, listed at six foot seven, two hundred and twenty. Pounds. He's more of a swingman just based on the film I watched of him, but uh, he's got two years of eligibility remaining, so uh, kind of more what BYU is looking for, a guy who can kind of grow with the program were he to pick BYU. He averaged 11.6 points per game this past year as the second-leading scorer for the Butler Bulldogs. Also started all 32 games as well for Butler. I think this would be a very, very nice pickup if BYU man- can manage to land him in the transfer portal, but... It's got a number of great options out there. Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, some other Big 12 programs who are after this young man. But the simple fact of the matter, he came to visit BYU, should give BYU some hope that there is at least some reciprocal interest on uh, Lukosius's uh, uh, part in regards to this. But we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it was fun to report that. I don't typically get a chance to beat out guys like Robbie McCombs uh, for information like this. But when I get the opportunity, it's always kind of fun to, to get the scoop on that. But we'll see how it all shakes out. The transfer portal continues to roll on. BYU trying to kind of pick up the pieces now after Stephen Ashworth spurned them for Creighton. Uh, could that mean that Dawson Baker's on his way in? Could Joe Girard be on his way? Who knows? But uh, we'll continue to track that all on the basketball portal front. Now on the football portal front, I've meant to, I forgot to mention this yesterday, but Zoom Esplin, a defensive lineman uh, from California, announced that he'll be entering the transfer portal and leaving the BYU football program. Now, Zoom has a great name. Uh, just uh, You cannot name a person better than Zoom Esplin. Uh, he's a very tall Tall, long, rangy athlete, uh, but to me, he was the the simple fact of the matter. He just did not fit what BYU is trying to do on defense. He was a guy that was brought in under the Kalani, not the Kalani Satake regime because Kalani Satake is still there. He was brought in under the Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki regime as a thought that they could develop him into one of those kind of longer defensive ends. Think of like a Corbin Kafusi uh, for BYU. But uh, he decided, you know what? In this new defense under Jay Hill, my prospects may be uh, better suited elsewhere, and it would not. Surprise me honestly to see Zoom landing uh, with Northern Colorado, where Ed Lamb and Preston Hadley, who uh, Preston actually took a big part in recruiting this young man out of California, I could see him landing with the Bears. And I think the FCS level might be better suited for what Zoom Esplan's skill set is at this point. We'll we'll see what happens. But you wish him well and hope that he can find a great spot for himself to participate. The one thing I know about him is just the conversations I talked with people about Zoom is the simple fact that he's just a, he's an athlete. He is a fantastic athlete. 
athlete. And that should lend itself potentially to paying off down the road. But I, I just think that the way BYU's defense is set up right now, his skill set maybe was a little antithetical to what uh, BYU was trying to do on defense. But you wish him the best moving forward. And I guess the one other positive, if you want to count it that way, is he was a scholarship athlete. So BYU does open up a defensive scholarship potentially to bring in a defensive lineman, which brings us to our next point, that uh, BYU has apparently offered a scholarship to uh, Oregon Reserve defensive lineman uh, Trevin Ma'ai. He is a guy who has spent three years at Oregon. Uh, He's originally uh, from the Vegas area, played at Bishop Gorman High School down there in Vegas. I originally went to Oregon as a 240-pound defensive end, but uh, reading up on this, my good friend Mitch Harper over at KSL Sports said that uh, there was a story about him recently where he said he's bulked up to as high as 290 pounds, and he's embracing a lot more of playing on the interior of the defensive line, which honestly is more of what BYU needs. I feel like BYU's actually got a pretty good setup in regards to the uh, guys they have more on the perimeter. They have a bevy of bodies there. Proven products, question mark, but they have a number of bodies there. Having proven guys who can hold on the interior of a defensive line is a big question, and uh, Ma'ai, if he decided to pick BYU, would be an interesting pickup because he's got a number of other options out there. Uh, As a prep, he picked up offers from USC, Utah, TCU, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, among others. Uh, Since entering the portal on April 15th, he's reported... uh, offers from Baylor, West Virginia, Hawaii, Boise State. So he's got a number of suitors after him, but BYU has thrown their hat into the ring, and they already picked up A.J. Vongpichon, which I think bolsters the linebacking core. I said it before in the wish list for BYU on the transfer portal front, they probably wanted one defensive lineman, one linebacker, a safety, and potentially a cornerback. Well, could Ma'ai be the defensive lineman that you've been looking for out there in the portal? Only time will tell, but it would be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, one of the note that earlier this week, BYU did offer for North Texas tight end Varkees Gums. You want to talk about a great name. V-A-R apostrophe K-E-Y-E-S. Varkees Gums. And what I love about Varkees Gums watching his highlight reel is he is a six foot three, 230-pound just stick of dynamite, it feels like, as a football player. He is not your traditional tight end in any sense of the word. Like I said, he's six foot three, 230 pounds. He's not Isaac Rex out there, but he is very effective at what he was doing in his one year at North Texas so far. He has got even more offers and uh, bigger offers than what uh, Trevin Ma'ai has gotten in the transfer portal, and it might be a little more of a long shot for BYU to land a guy like Gums out of the transfer portal, but BYU swinging for the fences, folks. This is not BYU being like, oh, maybe we could get this guy, and we'll give him an offer and see if he decides to take it. That's BYU, that, that mentality is out the window at BYU right now. They refuse to to believe that they cannot compete for the top-level athletes. BYU has embraced fully, just from the football perspective, based on what I understand, they have fully embraced the fact that they are now a Power 5 program or will be officially on July 1st. But they've been operating as such and telling guys, hey, you're coming in here. You can help us build the early part of our Power 5 legacy. You can be a big part of that. Come in here and be part of that. Will that pitch pay off? It's, well, it's paid off with A.J. Vongpachan so far. We'll see if it can continue to do so. I I have my question marks about how many truly five- and four-star athletes BYU can go out there and get, but the transfer portal, it can really, really help BYU because a lot of guys, maybe they go to a program, realize that they want something different, they want to focus more on football, and it's something that BYU can offer. Uh, one other note real quick on the transfer portal front, the Caleb Etienne, the big offensive tackle from Oklahoma State. Uh, 24-7 Sports put their transfer portal grade on him. Oklahoma State fans were down on him bad. Mike Gundy was saying, he, well, he got beat out. Well, 
if he got beat out, he got beat out by a very good football player because if you believe the 24-7 portal uh, rankings, he is a near four-star athlete in terms of the transfer portal rankings coming to BYU. That's a pretty high honor from 24-7 sports who I still believe, this is my personal feeling, they are the gold standard when it comes to player evaluations right now on the transfer portal and high school recruiting front. Uh, they think he's an elite athlete and will fit in nicely at BYU. And I think that him moving to right tackle, I know that his run blocking grade was not great, but him moving to right tackle, in many respects, I think may help him uh, be better than he was at left tackle. Left tackle is a unique position. You you have so many extra responsibilities protecting the blind side of your quarterback. He has proven to be a very, very good pass protector, depending on which uh, metric you look at. I reported he'd only given up one sack. I saw another thing after I finished recording yesterday's podcast. They gave up four sacks and 500-plus pl- uh, pass plays uh, during the 2022 season. I don't care if it's one or four sacks over 500 plays. That's a minuscule percentage. That is actually really, really good as a pass protector. And BYU requires their tackles more than here's the thing. BYU's philosophy with their tackles is, yes, we need you to be an adequate run blocker, but we need you to be an elite pass blocker. And guess what this, the skill set of Kingsley Suomati'ia and Caleb Etienne right now are? They are elite pass blockers. They may not be the world's best run blockers. They're adequate, I feel like, in their respects. I think Kingsley is a better run blocker than a guy like Caleb is on paper right now. But the interior of BYU's offensive line, those are more the road graders. Those are the guys who are supposed to open the holes in that zone run scheme. The tackles, you protect the edge edges and keep that quarterback's jersey clean. That is your job in BYU's offense and that may sound way too simplistic but in many ways that's how simplistic football can be in certain circumstances. Alright, final note before we go here on today's show is that a lot of BYU fans out there have uh, expressed some uh, disconcerting thoughts on re- with regards to the, tra- uh, not the transfer portal uh, but that's been a topic but uh, the season ticket situation. BYU the way I understand it and everything that we continue to hear, they've sold out of their season ticket allotment uh, for BYU football tickets. Now now, a little bit disappointing to me personally because I had some season tickets two seasons ago that I gave away to uh, Cougar fans. And uh, last season ran into some situations where I wasn't able to do that. And I was hoping to get the, back on the wagon this year and do that, but they're sold out. So uh, if I'm able to acquire a couple, we may continue to kind of continue that tradition, bring it back after a year hiatus. But uh, right now, it doesn't look like that's the way that's the way it's going to go. And Tom Homo put out a letter saying the letter, quote, gives us some context around the why to our fan base right now about uh, the situation with regards to season tickets. The letter reads in parts, thank you so much for all your support you do to continue to support BYU Athletics. As we look forward to our first season competing in Big 12 football, we're excited to have seen so much added interest in our football program and specifically from so many wanting tickets for the 2023 season. With our ticket base expanding, we knew there were going to be some growing pains. Realize this has meant that some have been displaced from their previous seats, some have been priced out of season tickets, but we have been able to provide all active Cougar members who opted in to buy season tickets the opportunity to buy tickets this season. So if you wanted to get tickets, you need to be a part of the Cougar Club, and that's what BYU's been really pushing for over the past few years. He continues to talk about the fact that, hey, simply uh, there is... um there is a supply and demand issue here. And BYU, I, I knew this. I knew of three people uh, personally that I've talked to that said once BYU finally got into a Power 5 conference, they'd actually buy season tickets. Now, I needed to check in with all three of those people and see if they actually pulled through on that because they talked about that in the past. But the simple fact of the matter is is uh, supply has been outpaced by demand here for BYU season tickets. And it's not surprising. The Big 12 is a new era. There's excitement for BYU. They may not be the best football program out there this, this fall, but there is a honeymoon period 
period that BYU is going to get by on here early on in the Big 12 tenure, just simply due to the fact that Cougar fans are ecstatic to be a part of the Power 5 level of football. And that's why you're seeing these season tickets sell out, sell out as quickly as they have. Uh, they've already said in June that basketball tickets will go on sale, and I'm expecting those will sell out in very short order. Expected to have some very full houses, both at the house that Lavelle built at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, as well as the Marriott Center on uh, Saturday nights uh, coming up in the winter, because you're going to have a lot of Cougar fans out there supporting their team, and a lot of Big 12 fans making the trip to Provo as well. It's a new era, folks, and you may be uh, disappointed in that you lost maybe your seats, or you didn't necessarily uh, expect to pay as much as you did for season tickets, but you know what? In this day and age, it's supply and demand. And BYU, honestly, compared to some of the other Power 5 programs, tickets are still relatively a bargain. I still would have snapped up two tickets if I had the opportunity to do so. And, hey, if you happen to have two end zone tickets you want to give up for the season and you want to help out some Cougar fans out here on this podcast, hit me up. I'd be happy to take them off your hands for the right price. So, uh, crazy times. But, uh, hopefully, uh, everything will work out in the end for Cougar fans. And the nice part is, Big 12 football is on the way, folks, and it's going to require an increased uh, cost uh, from you, the fan, from BYU as an athletic department. There is just more money to be uh, paid out, more money to be needed, all that type of stuff. But it's the new era of BYU sports, and I don't think there's a perfect solution in any in any way, shape, or form. I don't anticipate BYU filling in the corners anytime soon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium to get it to maybe 80,000 capacity. I don't expect them to break ground on a new stadium in the relatively near future, so uh, I guess we'll have to make do with what we've got, at least for the time being. All right. Just some quick thoughts on that. All right, big thank you once again to Keaton Slovis for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. And a big thank you to all of you, by the way, for making us your first listen and being an everydayer here on the podcast. As mentioned, it's a mailbag edition of the podcast tomorrow. We'll also continue with our look back at each position group in BYU Spring Ball. I think tomorrow we'll flip over to the defense. I want to talk about the linebackers. And AJ, AJ Vongpachan obviously bolsters that lineup, but what did the linebackers look like who were actually participating in spring? We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show as well. So join us back here, same time tomorrow whenever you happen to be listening and or watching this and i hope you guys have a great rest of your day this has been the locked on cougars podcast hope you all are doing well we'll talk to you soon the ncaa tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.